There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, I got Aaron Sorensen. Aaron, hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Nonstop rain in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dog hates it. I actually don't. I, I do appreciate, though, my dog doesn't like walking in puddles. doesn't like walking through mud. So she goes out of her way to avoid all those things. She'll like jump over puddles as we're walking outside. She's cognizant of that stuff. And then, you know, when it's time to get up in the grass and and do her business, she goes, does her business, and then immediately gets out of the grass. And so like for, for her to be a small dog that likes to jump up on beds and sit on blankets and things like that, for her to not have a ridiculously messy pause when we get back inside is, is a big plus. It's nice. So I can't complain. Yeah, it's uh, been kind of strange weather the last couple of days in Nebraska. It's gone from uh, being 75 and sunny to like a traditional spring rain to today it was snowing. So we're just going through, we're going through it right now. Yeah, everybody's getting getting kind of the full, the full gambit of things. I have mm-hmm. a, a question that is specifically tailored to you uh, that I have been wondering about and I have asked several other people, but I'm curious what your answer is. You have the time sit and listen to the full 10 minute version of Taylor Swift's all too well. Are you listening to the 10 minute version? Or are you listening to the shortened version? The original, the OG? Uh, I would say I have listened to the 10 minute version more than I have the, uh, t- the traditional, like three minute, however long, no, it's actually like, I think five minutes. Uh, still, it's still a, a lengthy song, but I've, I think I've listened to the 10 minute version more now because I do like the original and I use original in the sense that I like her version, Taylor's version. If she has a new version, I listen to those, um, whole thing, but I don't know the, I think the difference is, is with like the 10 minute version and this is, Hey, here's how I will tie this to football. Uh, you always think like, if you could go back and do things differently, like if it's a play or anything else, how would you change something to hear how she would have originally wanted that song to, to sound is really fascinating because you can tell it got over, not overproduced, but it got produced up for the album. And so it's just interesting to hear it that like the way she wanted it originally sounds. So like I said, there's your football comparison of like, what was a play supposed to look like before things got too cute or got too much bigger than they need to be. <laughs> the, the, her, her, like, um, 
I guess during pandemic, post pandemic music has all been uh, wonderful. It's like stripped down, super instrumental, more acoustic. That's right up my alley for music. Um, and it's been awesome. You are going to really like, sorry, not to like derail this into a Taylor Swift podcast. No, but... no, no, no. Everybody came here expecting Nebraska football talk and no surprise, no. surprise. You get 30 minutes of Taylor Swift conversation. <laughs> I will say if you haven't read it, I just read the book finally, but the movie version of um, where the crawdads sing is that what it's called um why i just have like no idea uh, yes. i'm no help where the crawdads sing it's a really good book uh it's like a murder mystery type of book but she is providing a song for the movie and it's sampled in the very first trailer that came out and it's very reminiscent of folklore meets evermore but just bigger instrumentals so it's it was produced by Aaron Desner of the national as well, which obviously their partnership has really influenced a lot of what she has done recently. So I'm really excited to hear it. I saw somebody on my TikTok page. I'm just hitting all the notes for you right now. I saw somebody on my TikTok, TikTok. page. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago that was just complaining about Taylor Swift and saying, and specifically, specifically complaining about which, right. Like if, if you want, if you want to get views or you want to get attention from people, that's what you do. But mm -hmm. specifically complaining about the 10 minute version of this song that, that uh, was, was I mean, very well received by the masses. Um, <laughs> but she was complaining about this song and the accompanying um, video, which was dubbed a short film. Mm -hmm. And she was taking exception to, the fact that it was called a short film. She's like, it's only 10 minutes. That's not a short film. And I'm sitting there watching this and I'm like, do you not go on like Disney plus and just watch all of the Disney Pixar? shorts? That can be? Yeah. Yeah. Like those are short films. Like, is that not something that everybody else does? Cause, cause my wife and I will just, we'll open up Disney plus and we'll just sit and watch the, the Pixar shorts. Is that a thing that other people do or is, am I alone in this? No, you're not alone. I just, I think anyone who can't find uh, joy in those, I mean, okay. Speaking of TikTok, there's a reason that TikTok is also now trying to get 10 minute videos on its platform because that is a, uh, that it's kind of like people like short form, but they're starting to discover that like up to 10 minutes is something that people actually really enjoy, especially if you can tell a full story within that 10 minutes. So it's actually, it's scientifically proven that people mm -hmm. like that kind of like time frame. I know TikTok's trying to become YouTube. It's fine. some some of the stuff where there are three minute videos that don't need to be three minute videos, and I'm not <laughs> going to sit and watch the three minutes of of you just like ex excessively over explaining things. Now, some of the stuff where they show you like they've built something or they've created something or they're like in the process of like drawing like art. A lot of times I get art on my TikTok where it would normally be mm. like three or four different parts. And instead with like a three minute video, it's condensed into just one video and you get to see it and you get to scroll and move on with your life. That's so much better. But then when it's people talking and telling a story, I'm like, you could have done this in 30 seconds. Let's move on. So in that, in that vein, let's talk about Husker football. The thing that I have you on this podcast to talk about, which I'm sorry that it's not Taylor Swift for anybody it's that fine. was super excited about Taylor Swift content. We'll do um, another one. We'll do another podcast another time. It's just dedicated to Taylor Swift. Aaron, you have your own podcast. Mm -hmm. We could talk about Taylor Swift on there if you wanted to. Perfect. So perfect, perfect plug, mind your own podcast with Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin. Subscribe to that. This podcast is a proud part of the Herd App Media Network. There's a bunch of other Hail Varsity podcasts that you can subscribe to, that you can listen to, that you can get your daily Husker fix from. Go to hailvarsity.com backslash network to find that stuff. Also, hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe. 
Make sure you're getting the magazine. Make sure you're reading all the content. We are in the thick of spring football. So there's plenty of stuff for you to find, for you to read, for you to stay current on. Um, Aaron, I would like to talk to you today about spring camp battles, spring ball battles, not necessarily training camp, um, competition and position battles. Mm-hmm. So I asked you to come equipped with three different position groups that you are most interested in. You have the floor to start with whichever one you want to start with. Where are you going first? Well, I will say, I to be fair, I did also check with uh, Steve, Jacob, and Greg to see what their thoughts were. And the three that I was kind of thinking of outside of Holder uh, were the three that they said the same. So we're all very much on the same page. Um, but for me, the first one I will say that'll be very interesting, this is really top of mind, fresh, fresh in our minds because of Pro Day, is defensive back. Uh, Travis Fisher has a group that is going to look very different in 2022. It looks very different in 2022, but it's going to look very different come fall when we're actually talking about games and who is slotting in where, who is seeing time, who's taking the space, the space is left by Cam Taylor Britt, Deontay Williams, Markel Dismuke. I mean, the, these are the questions that we will have. Um, you have seven new faces in his room in total. Uh, he has a lot of scholarship players in his room, so there's a lot of room to work with. I don't think, I don't think depth is necessarily the concern there. Now, uh, experience depth certainly is. Uh, only two players have Power Five starting experience in that room, and that's Quentin Newsom and Miles Farmer. I actually got to talk to Quentin Newsom for the latest issue of Hill Varsity Magazine. He is our Q and A subject, and when I was talking to him just about his role, he was sharing how you know he watched players like Deontay and Markel and Cam Taylor Britt and. Uh, previously DiCaprio Boodle, who were really big about pouring knowledge and information into the next, the next group of defensive backs. And he really wants to do that. He talked about like how it doesn't matter where Travis Fisher wants him to play. He's just going to be there ready to show up and to be a valuable contributor to that group. But at the same time, you have a lot of new faces and a number of them are transfers. So how did those transfers look for this defensive backs group? How does this all mesh together? When we've heard from Travis Fisher, he's talked a lot about this competition. So we knew the defense was going to look different in 2022. And there's going to be a lot of question marks. And the defensive back spot is one where like, I don't think like I'm overly concerned about players stepping up. We just don't know what it's going to look like right now. Yeah. I mean, the most, um, tenured defensive back that Nebraska has would be Quentin Newsom. And mm-hmm. if you listen to Travis Fisher talk, it doesn't sound like his spot is safe, which like, I mean, you know, that's a Travis Fisher thing, but also like, you know, he's not, he's not Cam Taylor Britt. So he hasn't necessarily earned the right to go through an entire off season with his spot on lock. So um, if you had, if you had to peg right now, who would you say is the front runner for the opposite spot? As I just get done saying that Quentin Newsom doesn't have a spot locked up, like I think most people would say that like he's he's one of the favorites to win one of those two starting spots. So who would you peg as the leader in the front house right now for the opposite spot? This is going to sound like a cop out answer, but I, I want to be really fair with it. I honestly don't know. And it was really actually interesting. Um, 
running backs coach, Brian Applewhite during uh, practice this week made a comment when trying to talk about some of his players where he's like, well, you've all seen practice, right? And we haven't, we have had no practice that we like, and I understand that when we see practice, we are given a limited amount. We were given what they want us to see, but we have not been given anything. So it's really hard in my opinion. And this is just my transparency for everyone as a member of the media. Like I often think people think that like, we just are or making up whatever we want to like, we legitimately, when we're making like, you know, post spring depth charts, which I know you have helped make so many of those over the years for Hill varsity. Some of that is relying on like the very limited amount of stuff that we're actually seeing on top of what we're being told. And right now, like I could not, honestly, I could not probably slot this whole defensive backs spot. Like I could probably not, in like, I just, like you said, Quinn Newsom's not even safe. It doesn't sound like if you asked, I mean, we kind of did push Travis Fisher on it. Like if you had to, like, if you had to start putting people here and there, where would you put him? And he would, I mean, he, he wouldn't have anyway, but like, you can tell he's even like that no one has stepped up into roles. So like, I honestly, especially with these new faces, like I said, seven new people in this room, four of them are transfers and we have never seen them play at Nebraska. So I I don't want that to sound like a cop-out to people, but if you hear kind of like uncertainty around like what are, who's going to be playing here and who's going to be playing here, there's a reason for that. And we're even seeing it at other spots, like offensive line. We only know one spot and that's Nori Noelle's spot. He's left, uh, left guard. Everything else is basically like, could be anyone. And I mean, he even wouldn't even say like who he thought could, like we asked him, like, who do you think is going to line up next to you? And he wouldn't say anyone because he doesn't know. And maybe he does have a better idea. But my point is, is like, you could, you could make a, if somebody gave me a case for just about anyone and said, I could put this person here and this person here, I, I would take it. I would take it. I would believe him because it just kind of feels like draw a name out of a hat right now. That's how much information I feel like we have to make in my opinion, educated guesses on. <laughs> that's a good thing in spring in the sense that if, if that's the way that the coaches are operating, there's a ton of snaps available for everyone. And it was also interesting. I think it was, it was, it was either, um, it was either Whipple or it was Mickey Joseph that I think like in one of those first spring practice availabilities was like just oogling over the fact that Nebraska, I think, no, it was Whipple just just like beside himself at how many more practice reps snaps that they get at Nebraska as opposed to what he was used to at Pitt. So like, yeah, I mean, if, you know, if, if you got, you know, open competition across the board and, and you don't have a Cam Taylor Britt at cornerback, like that's going to help, you know, Tommy Hill, Tyreek Johnson all up and down the line for guys. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's actually what makes the whole, piece with Quentin Newsom so interesting because I just went and pulled up a quote of his where he talked about how he was like he felt like he was even the young guy quote unquote young guy until this last year so in 2021 but now he feels like he's one of the quote unquote old guys so it's completely opposite but like when you think about Quentin Newsom when you look him up online, it's a little confusing because he's listed as a junior, but he's technically at a senior status. Like he has been on this team long enough to, if COVID had not happened and the extra year had not been put in place, he would be considered a senior. So, I mean, it's not like he is young to this team and to this group, but he has just been, been he has just been playing behind players that um, some of them are about to go uh, try to get compete for spots on NFL teams that are 25, going to be 26 years old. So yeah, he does feel young next 
to that. He feels young there. But when you think about the fact that he's a junior that is going into his fourth year, he isn't quote unquote young, but it's, it was an interesting thing to hear him say it like that, because that is the perspective that he has is he has always been the young guy in the group. And now he's one of the older ones. That is really fascinating to me because it's going to be interesting to see how he also leads and works through some of this knowing that none of his, none of these spots in Travis Fisher's room are set. Like no one is safe at this point. It is. Um, it's, it's truly remarkable to think about the way some of these, I mean, and we're seeing it with, with college basketball too, with some of these guys um, and some of these teams that are advancing that are just super old. It's, 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 it, you know, it's, I think it's cool to see um, how old, some teams are, but it <laughs> certainly certainly doesn't help in, in terms of draft stock. I, I meant to ask you, you did you you get did you get to spend much time watching Cam Taylor Britt's pro day workout? Uh yeah, he he's quick. I will also I have to give a shout out to Samori Tori. His uh 40 was very good. Uh he is somebody where I just have to get his name out there. He is somebody where I don't expect him to be drafted, but he's going to get picked up as an undrafted free agent and be a great pickup by a team. They're going to be very happy with him. Just he he's incredibly athletic, but Cam Taylor Britt had a really good day too. And um, the one thing I took from him is he's just like really open to whatever is available to him. Who, where do you want him to play? He'll be there. Uh, do you want him? Do you want him here? Great. Do you want him catching balls? He'll do it. Like he pretty much is like, he'll even play quarter back if you like absolutely needed him to but he had a he had a really good day now that's on top of what he did at the combine um and there are some areas where I know like with his 40 like he could always in his opinion run it faster be quicker be this or that but he felt like he really showed what he's able to do and he had a really good just general perspective about it at the end so um yeah, he's, he, it's going to be fun to see uh, where he gets taken. I do. He's one where I do think he'll get drafted at some point. We'll, we'll hear his name called. The, the two guys that probably have the easiest life on the recruiting show right now. One of them is, is obvious as Travis Fisher. Like he can just walk around and, <laughs> and tell dudes like Cam Taylor Britt hadn't played corner when he got to me. And now he's, you know, he, he's potentially pushing like day two NFL draft guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know what, maybe the offensive line coach, because it sounds like Cam Jurgens also had a good workout and surprise, surprise, like, you know, anybody that watched Cam Jurgens play center, they knew that, you know, some of the, the athleticism stuff, some of the physical testing, he was going to kill it. Um, who this is, this is away from the topic that I wanted to talk about with you, but of the two cams who goes first in the draft? Oh, good question. I actually wouldn't be surprised if it's not Jurgens, honestly. Um, I think he could go like third round. Like, I think I put in a prediction, like when I was still writing regularly for Hale Varsity, I think I said at one point that Cam was going to get into the, the pre-draft workout and he was going to shoot himself into like the three, four range. He, like, who did he have the same uh, vertical as? Now, I think the thing when you look at him as what position he plays now is it's a little like people get taken aback when they realize like how quickly he ran the 40 and how well he can jump. Um, but he's a converted tight end. So at the how end of quickly the day, we forget he was a four-star tight end coming out of high school. Right. And those things are like trained. He knows these things. And it's interesting listening to some of these players. And this kind of does go back to like Cam Taylor Britt and stuff where they spend months. All they're doing is training on 
40s and um, agility drills and uh, just different. It, it's not football. It's just like basically training to be, like show what you can do and you'll never do this again in quite this way. Um, but for Cam Jurgens, he's had experience with some of these things just in his time as a tight end. And, um, you know, he, he has, he has had to run very specific routes before that, like these things just, they, it's clearly for him, like riding a bicycle because he had no problem, uh, putting that to work. And I mean, he looked, he looks like he's put on some good weight. And I think that was the one thing is so many of these players look like they have put on either good weight or they've lost weight that they needed to. Damian Daniels said he is, he, his weight today is the lowest it's been since he was a sophomore in high school. Um, so he is like in the best shape of his life. He still looked very like, you know, strong. He just looked more slimmed down, more just it's it's so hard to like say just from looking at him but like that was the thing that I saw about so many of them and so all of that to say Cam Jurgens is somebody where like if we hear his name early in the draft I am not going to be shocked because I think he has made a case to people that he is let me put it this way he was doing some drills where he was you know they're doing like the pushback drills and he did one of them where he was going up against an offensive lineman that was there for pro day from Carney. And whatever, however he got a hold on this guy and pushed him back, the gallery of people listening all kind of in like unison went, oh, so he, that, that's the thing he, that he just wore, like garners attention in that way where people are like, oh, and you could tell the scouts that were there to watch him because the second he was done, they took off. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's. As one of those things, I think I think it was the two four seven guys that were talking about this on on their most recent podcast. Like, um, it's hard for offensive linemen on losing teams to get NFL buzz until yeah. we get to this process, and then people realize like, oh, okay, this dude's actually pretty good, which has been the case for Nebraska players for years and years and years. So um, many, so many offensive linemen, so many. Back to well, just players in general. Yes, <laughs> just true. everyone but in general. But also offensive linemen. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, you know what? Nick Gates is a starting center for the New York Giants when healthy. Synergy, um, because I was literally just thinking of Nick Gates. So synergy. Yeah. Um, okay, back to spring competition. Is offensive line or a specific offensive line spot on your your list of three that you brought? I didn't bring offensive line because when you said no quarterback talk, I thought, you know what, I'm going to, we've, we've talked a lot. At least I feel like there's been a lot of talk about offensive line and the fact that there's a lot of uncertainty, especially at center, who's going to be taking that center spot. Like I said, the only one we know right now is Nori Noelli confirmed. He is, he is at left guard. That is what we know. Everything else is, I mean, Brock Bando even said like they're moving around. People are trying different spots. Um, the interesting thing about that is similar to quarterback is if you are a running back or a wide receiver, which are the two other ones I did pick, you okay. show up every day and you don't know who your quarterback throwing to you is. You don't know who the center is. You don't know who's blocking for you. You don't know necessarily how that group is going to like look in front of you, which is making it really interesting in this competition for both wide receivers and running backs, because 
you want them also building rapport, right? You want them building rapport with their quarterback. You want them building rapport with their offensive line as well. And right now there's so much shifting, so much movement that they're having to show up and be flexible every day, which is an interesting, it'll just be interesting to see how that pans out. Now, we obviously have a pretty good idea that Casey Thompson is like the front runner at quarterback. That's not a surprise to anyone, even, uh, even Yant, when asked about like how he's doing, talked about his leadership skills. Clearly, he's he's kind of winning that battle at least right now. Um, but at the same time, you have these players saying, "Well, I showed up today, and Thompson was throwing to me yesterday, but now it's Logan, but now it's you know whomever." Yeah, Mickey said they've got six guys throwing on the ball, yes. which is uh, that's an interesting approach. Look, um, not that we're here to talk about quarterbacks, but like Matt Masker was very firmly in the middle of the photo that they shared today. So like, don't, I'm not taking him out. I, you are so <laughs> pro Matt Masker. It's throughout, throughout his entire time here. You've been so pro Matt Masker. It's incredible. Look, when they did the just, quarterback just day, right. When they did the quarterback day, I was like, are we getting Matt Masker? And they're like, we're not. And I was offended by this. I was like, why would we not? <laughs> Okay. Let me ask you one, and this can be a short answer, one question mm-hmm. on the offensive line, and then we'll move mm-hmm. to the next group that you want to talk about, be it wide receiver or running back. Cause those, those were the two, like, if you didn't come with three, I had five that I was going to give you and say, pick three. Oh, no. And both of those were going to be on there. So again, synergy, we got brand synergy going on. Perfect. Right now. Um, okay. Real quick on the offensive line, the two tackle spots, you got three guys, Teddy Prohaska, Bryce Benhart mm-hmm. and Turner Corcoran. Two of them are playing tackle. One of them is getting moved. Prohashka ain't getting moved. Who's the guy getting moved? Or maybe you think it is Prohashka. That okay. So you're saying between Prohashka, Benhart, and um, Corcoran. Uh, Corcoran. Okay, so if we keep <sighs> that. Gosh, this is a really good question. I'm sitting here now, like. Corcoran got some, gotten some, some center buzz. Yeah, I'm trying to he'd think be, like. He'd be a big guy to play center, but not, you know, an uncommonly big guy to play center. Yeah, I think and it's interesting that you brought that up because we were recently talking as a group uh, about some different spots, particularly at center in comparison to other Big Ten teams. And I looked it up and was talking about how Nebraska's offensive line in certain spots is like almost a little bit off where it's not that the players themselves aren't the right size. They're just almost not the right size for the like the spot that they were pegged at where they were either like four inches too tall or four inches too short, but then like this many pounds too heavy or this many pounds too light and it was just really interesting to see like the average sized player at different spots in the big 10 and how nebraska's were just a little off from it and i know to some people they're like well if a player is good it shouldn't matter but the difference is is like if those things do matter if someone is a little bit too tall for that center spot you might think like why does it matter if they're good at it but it when they're matching up in a certain way it can have an effect so all of that to say um i'm trying to think who i yeah I mean a six six center with Corcoran that would be very tall but I do I feel like it's going to be Corcoran that gets moved yeah I, I feel like he's probably the one there's an offensive line configuration that I could see where they've got they've got Prohaska Ben Hart Corcoran and um 
why am I blanking on his name? Henry Latovsky. I cannot believe mm. I just blanked on his name. I love him. Henry, I love him. He's <laughs> he's huge, massive, and I just blanked on his name. I feel bad. He's like right. he's he's like my um, he he is my Blaze Gunnerson on the offensive side of the ball. Okay. Love me some Blaze Gunnerson. I'm all in on the uh, Latovsky. Mm-hmm. Hype train. There's a configuration where they've got all four of those guys on the field at one time. And I don't know if one of them, if maybe like Turner's playing center there, because then you got to put Nuri on the field. Um, but yeah, they yeah. got they got a lot of stuff to work with. And you know it's it's gonna be interesting we, we on the offensive line. Yeah, we know we have and see what makes it even more interesting at the offensive line spot is um, I think we kind of had an idea of the way that Greg Austin viewed his offensive line. And we also knew that he and Frost didn't always agree on who was lining up where and how they were sort of working through that group. Like that is when we have heard Frost say um, his job now is to step back and let these coaches, you know, really own their rooms. Like um, uh, what's his name? Whipple. Sorry. My brain just like, for some reason, just lost Mark Whipple's name. But when like, he's like, I'm taking a step back and the offense is his to run. And like, yes, I can chime in, but like, ultimately it's his, that makes things even more interesting because we are now going to find out for the first time, what Rayola thinks when he looks at this group, like, what is his opinion? What is he like? What is he? I just think like, what is his perspective on the center spot? Is there somebody that we're not even like thinking of? Like when I look at that group, is there anyone that like, he's like, why haven't we tried this person here? And those are all going to be interesting. Cause in my opinion, that's a fresh, that's a fresh set of eyes. And it sounds like he has a little bit more, um, control essentially over than who ultimately ends up where. So, um, knowing, I, I, like I said, I kind of think that Greg Austin had his perspective. And so it'll be interesting to now see what that looks like for Rayola. What do you make of running back? Because <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. What, what do you make of running back? There's Gabe, a Urban's, not, Gabe Urban's not available, still mm-hmm. rehabbing, mm-hmm. um, potential Texas A&M guy mm-hmm. on the, on the periphery. What do you make of the running back spot right now? So running back is a really interesting room because it is not, it is not for, uh, for lack of essentially numbers. There are a lot of players for Brian Applewhite to work with. In fact, we just heard from him. He talks about how he's hoping to get to five that he feels like these are my five because he just, that is his, like, I hope my number. But I mean, when you start to look down this and you're like, you've got Yant, you've got Ramir Johnson, you've got, Irvin, which I understand, but he's still in this room. Um, you, you have Marquise step you have, I'm like going down this. I could just honestly read this entire list of running backs from their website. And then you have the new faces. Um, it is, it is a room that has a ton of, um, potential. And this is one where like, they have been from the beginning of spring football. And even before that, when we were talking to him during like the early signing period, press conferences, like when we would hear from frost and everything else running back has been one, because at the end of the day, this is a group that needs to be able now to be fair. They have said that they plan on throwing the ball a lot more. So I'm so sorry to run the football people. Like if you are run the football guy, like you're so sad to hear how much they want to throw the ball, but at the same time, there's still going to be a 50, 55, 45 run team. They just don't want the quarterback be the one to run. the Right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not convinced that a Scott Frost coach team is going to suddenly turn into like the 60, 40 pass happy offense that Pitt was. The one thing that was really interesting to me 
listening to both Brian Applewhite, but then Yant specifically talk about it is Applewhite said that when he started working with Yant, Yant could not run two plays consecutively without basically just being like exhausted. He is now at a place where he is able to run a play, run to the next situation. They're expected to run through the end zone. They are expected to basically be hustling at all times. Yant talked about how he didn't even go anywhere for spring break. He just stayed in Lincoln and basically was just running the whole time. He's figured out his uh, eating habits, uh, which means less raising canes. That seems to be his, that seems to have been his vice was raising canes. Well, no wonder. (laughs) I'm sorry, yet. No wonder. Yes. So well, okay, um, I was about because I was about to be like, is he just eating? Did he get too hooked on Runza when he got here? Like, what's going on? I mean, but when you think about how much we talked about like Frost when he talked about how heavy Yant was when he arrived and he was just too heavy to play in yeah. the spot, he does yeah. look like he has slimmed down quite a bit. He's definitely more more muscular if you will. like. He just looks more toned. Well, it took um, him through the season to work himself into game and playing shape and if you know apple white is saying like he couldn't run two consecutive plays like he enjoyed his winter mm-hmm. cut out the raising canes man it's not good yeah. just psa to to yeah it's not it's not just cut it out like it sounds like he's figured it out um because he <laughs> uh he was talking quite a bit about how um you know, he's feeling better. And then Applewhite talked about how that is also then uh, shifted into just his own general feelings. Like his, his, his mental state is in a much better place because he feels better. He feels like he can keep up essentially at all times. But like, that's the thing is like, I, I think when you hear Applewhite saying, and maybe this is the biggest part for running back for me is I feel like last year when we were having this this conversation about running back and trying to sort out who would play where it ultimately ended up being almost a competition through every week of the season. It felt like you did not know who the like primary running back was going to be every single week. And you'd have a week where this one player was great. And then they wouldn't see the field the week after it seems like that's not how Brian Applewhite wants to work this. He wants to have, you know, the five, the five primary running backs that he feels comfortable with and can start adjusting from there. So, uh, you know, just the fact that Yant looks better makes, makes you happy. Uh, Ramir Johnson will be really interesting to watch. Now Ramir has talked about how vital this competition to has been for him and how it's actually changed his own mindset. So like, <laughs> if nothing else, the running backs just seem more confident than anything, than anything we've maybe heard in recent years. And um, again, I said this a little bit ago, but Applewhite was like, well, you've all been at practice, right? Kind of using that to say like, have you seen the changes? Like he wanted us to be, he wanted us to see it firsthand and we haven't. So now I'm particularly interested to see it at the spring game because he seems excited about the changes he's seen with his running back room. I don't mean to shame Yant for liking <laughs> Raising Canes. Um, everybody has their vice. It's just I have a gag reflex with Raising Canes because uh, freshman year of college, my dorm was directly above a Raising Canes. And so we had to smell it all day, every day. And there was a grease fire in the kitchen one night and the entire dorm building had to be evacuated. This is entirely oh, a separate no. thing. You know, so yeah, but I haven't had Raising Canes since. Yant also had to have a shift in his own mindset. And I think this is a big thing with these running backs is also learning to block more effectively and just be better blockers. And he said a big thing that he has worked on, which is the key across the board is he 
did not finish things. He did not finish through with things. If he was blocking, he didn't finish the blocks. He would want to get really aggressive, block, and then be on to the next thing. Whereas Applewhite is really approaching this as you need to, you need to see these things through. So like running through the end zone. Um, but on top of it, you need to finish the block. You can't just like attempt a block and then go be done with it. And so he's, he's talked about how he just feels his game has gotten better, but I mean, you're seeing, we haven't gotten to see all of these players yet. I just wanted, I want to just keep reminding people because we have not been able to have that access to practice. We haven't been able to see every player in person. So my understanding of Yant and seeing him, we haven't gotten to see a ton of the other running backs in this room to see what they might look like today. And that's going to be really interesting to watch that at the spring game to see who looks bigger, faster, stronger, because we haven't gotten to see them all yet. Definitely. I also have a gag reflex too. When you say uh, that we want five guys, no, I want one guy, just find <laughs> one guy, just give me one guy. And I realize it's, this is not the time for that, but just find, just let's find one guy. Let's find one guy. I th- um, you know, my read on that for the record is I'm probably not fairly representing that. He just really wants to see. Um, okay. So I wanted to go grab this because this is also will help. So Frost himself also said that he highlighted Ramir Johnson, Anthony Grant, and Jack Hughes And obviously we know that Gabe Irvin Jr. is still rehabbing. So he is not available right now, but hopefully he should be hundred percent by fall. We do know that. But then Frost also mentioned a couple of true freshmen, which is AJ Allen and Emmett Johnson. I think my interpretation of what Brian Applewhite was saying, knowing all of these names that come up is he just needs to get to a spot where he has like a rotation that he feels good about these. But I do think he's going to want there's no way there's no way that you don't want to have your one or maybe two people that you can heavily rely on but you also need to be able to adjust quickly if somebody gets injured and so having a core group that you feel good about I think is where he wants to get is these are my these are my like go-to's and I just don't think he knows he wants them to keep working basically he's he likes his room but he's not satisfied with it they added three freshmen from the 22 class and then a transfer in the 22 class to the room that they already had and the guys that they were bringing back. So there's just a ton of scholarship guys. So they got to start paring it down. So like when he says, I want to find five, like I understand what he's saying. Um, Also, I know that's enough running back. Really quick, just to go back to offensive line, just really, really quickly. I didn't get a chance to listen to everybody speak. And so I'm now also catching up as we're listening, as we're recording this podcast. Um, The center position is going to be interesting. I do. I still stand by what I said. um, But just so anyone listening, if they're like, what is Rayola saying? He did bring up both Trent Hickson and Ethan Piper as working at center, but it means essentially nothing. They're doing it. He essentially said everybody's doing a good job the center is important. We're just trying to get people on the same page. So like I take pretty much everything everyone says as nothing is set in stone. (laughs) I think I wrote last year. I think I wrote, they're going to look at Ethan Piper at center too, which like every, it's not like a, like a, like, yay me. I made a prediction. Like everybody was (laughs) suggesting that, but like, he's like, we're going to go to wide receiver next. And I assume Brody belt is going to come up. Mm. He's like the Brody belt on the offensive line. Ethan Piper is the drug that Nebraska can't quit right now. He is a little bit more at properly sized for center, at least height wise. 
So <laughs> there, at some point, I are you saying that as opposed to Brody Belt as a wide receiver? Are you calling Brody no, Belt short, or are you I'm comparing s- him to Cam Jurgens? No, I'm comparing him to Brace or not Brace Benhart. Um, oh, to Turner Corcoran. Turner Corcoran, okay. yeah, Bryce Benhart. Could you imagine him as a center at six nine? My God, all you'd have to do is just stand there with your arms up, and as long as the quarterback could get it over you, it'd basically be like a tight end just blocking for you. Could uh, could Logan see over Bryce Benhart? Oh no, no, probably not. No. Most of them would not be able to. Uh, Heinrich might. I don't know what's what size Casey Thompson is. Um, what is his height? He's six one. Chiba is uh, is taller. Oh, well, wide receiver. <laughs> that was your last one. Wide receiver. What yes. interests you about the competition at wide receiver? Uh, the fact that like they need to be good. Um, like <laughs> that sounds like so uh, just stark, but it's, it's just, it's just the reality of this. Like we do know, I agree with you. You're still going to see them running the football. That's just a part of a Scott Frost offense and specifically a part of the offense in the big 10. The reality is the big 10 is a bulldoze league. Like you got to be able to run the ball, but we also know that they want to be able to throw it. We have now heard that exact same sentiment from the quarterbacks. We have heard it from Whipple. We have heard it from Frost. Um, I do think it was Casey Thompson who was the most straightforward about like, we're going to be throwing the football. And I was, I remember just being like, oh my gosh, people are going to like, oh no, it was, it was, um, it was Logan. It was Logan comparing it to the past where he was talking about what he experienced previously and was like, there's, there's more throwing of the football. I was like, I don't um, like it. I don't like it. I don't like it, Aaron. First you came from my fullback and I said nothing. Now you're coming from my run game. I will stand up. Don't come from my run game. Oh, I already just, took my fullback. Don't come from my run game. Oh my gosh. I will say, um, unfortunately we are now aware that Xavier Betts is no longer a part of the team. We were not given any um, specifics as to why uh, Frost just said he is not, cur- he's not currently a member of the team that when asked, like if he could return, he did it said it did not matter. He's just not a part of the team. So if that means he could come back or not, it's whatever. But we did get to hear from Omar Manning. Uh, what was really interesting about hearing from Omar Manning uh, this week in particular is like, I feel like we had a lot of like, what's going on with Omar. And, um, he was one of the first people out there to speak this week when they made the wide receivers available. So he's clearly kind of stepping up in my opinion, into a little bit of that leadership role. He clearly wants to be one of the people out there, their face, their name showing up. How, what does that mean on the field? Uh, will who knows we'll see, but this is another situation similar to running back where there are a lot of receivers. There are a lot of receivers what does that end up looking like who ends up seeing time and for me I mean I feel like you could I I feel like Omar Omar is the one that we've been like wanting we've been waiting we've been wanting to see more from him for so long so like is this the year is 2022 the year of Omar Manning but that can't just be the Omar Manning show who's who also is there and what we do know is Brody Bell is the new Wes Welker. <laughs> Don't laugh. They've all I wasn't said prepared that. for that. I wasn't prepared for that. I like I was I was prepared for the 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 Mickey Joseph line that Brody Bell is the best football football player on the team. Look, I've, Casey Thompson I'm not prepared him a young, for, young Wes Welker. I'm not prepared for Wes Welker comparisons. Well, 
take it up with Casey Thompson because that is what he sees in Brody Belt is a young Wes Welker. But can I move Casey Thompson down in my depth chart? Go for it. Rankings. Go for it. It's, it's no disrespect to Brody Belt who come back has been on around. up, Matt Masker. They obviously love. Yes. <laughs> They obviously love Brody Belt. He's been part of their their stuff, their plan, their course of attack for, since Frost got here. Um, let's can we can we not compare a guy to a an NFL Hall of Famer? Can we? Can we not? Is? Because the, actually, like no, no, no. Can we not? Can we not? The last no. Miller can we not? West. We we compared uh, Cam Jurgens to Dave Remington, and 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 look what that look got what us. happened. Well, like, now we, he's going to go be the not... Dave Remington of the NFL. Like, it's fine. <sighs> Talk about Brody Belt. Uh, no, I mean, Brody Belt clearly <laughs> uh, does have a lot of uh, attention this spring. It's actually been one of those things where, uh, I mean, I was just talking about him yesterday and I have said, I always make the joke to him and he doesn't find it funny. And because he doesn't find it funny, I'll always <laughs> make the joke to him about how he's the second best person to come out of Millard West behind me. He never laughs. And so therefore I will just keep saying it to him until he cares. Um, but Mickey Joseph is the one that said he's, he just said Brody's a football player and said Brody's probably the best football player on this team. When you're talking about being a football player, he's got a high football IQ. He can play Z, he can play R, he can play running back. He can do all of the te- all of the things. He can play special teams. He brings a lot to the table. We're excited to have Brody on the team. I think the sky is the limit for him. Um, but then Mickey Joseph also talked about the Nebraska's 2021 class, like the class of 2021 receivers, which is Grimes, Neville, and Hardy, um, needing them to continue to improve. Um, but here's the thing I've taken from Mickey Joseph in all of these comments. He was very complimentary of Brody Bell, but beyond that, he basically thinks his whole room needs to get better. He, he like does not mince his words when it comes to like, that was my takeaway when we listened to him most recently is like, he's very just straightforward. He's very direct. He's, he's very not, direct. He doesn't sugarcoat stuff. Like he got asked, um, how's the route running? And he's like, it needs to be better. And I was well, like, oh, mean- and this was just after calling Brody Belt the best football player on the team. So right? like, so, so I, I, you know, I give, I give the, the Brody Belt love guff. But like if Mickey Joseph, who has coached Jamar Jefferson and um, and and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, I'm I'm dumb. Um, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. The guy that has coached those those two players, if he's calling Brody Belt the best football player on on his team currently, like I'm inclined to believe him and inclined to, to think that that'll be that'll lead to good things. I mean, here's the here's the way that Mickey Joseph works in his room is um it was Alante who brought up, you know, during winter conditioning, they were tasked with each of them had to catch the ball 5,000 times. They each had to individually catch a ball 5,000 times. And that was something that Mickey Joseph brought from LSU where over summer conditioning, he had his players catch 10,000 balls. And so he thought with the, you know, the smaller time frame, he'd condense it to just 5,000. Um, every single one of them hit it. Many went well beyond that. Um, but he, this is just who he is as a, as a communicator. But I asked him about that, like, cause we, Alante wasn't clear, like whose idea that was. So I asked Mickey and his response was basically like, they wouldn't come up with that if they, like, there's no way they would have come up with that. His response was perfect. And I was just so- about to ask you, that was that your question? It sounded like you on the video, but like, they don't, you know, that you, you guys don't have mics when you're out there. And so when you're just no. listening to the video, you can't, you can kind of tell, I was curious if that was you. Good job. 
Well done. I, Capital I, J journalism. I really wanted to know who like it because like I said, like he Elante was kind of unclear about like where it came from. He he walked through what it was, but I'm like, was this something that like they decided? Like it was it a group thing? I was also unclear from what Elante said if this was a group collective had to catch 5,000 balls or if it was each individual person. So having Mickey explain what his plan was at LSU and why he did it was actually really interesting. It makes me wonder if we won't see a new task this summer that isn't that, that isn't five or 10,000 balls, but is something different because it seems like he likes to task his players with something where it's like, it's as much as like one, this is helpful to you, but it also, it's him essentially seeing who wants to put in the work, who's going to spend the time doing the thing that I've asked of them, who is going to show up, come to the practice field when they don't have to grab that machine out and just like go and like catch, you know, catch balls on their own. He wants to know who those people are, because when we're talking about a competitive group and who you're going to put, where, who is going to slot in at all of these different spots, who is going to build the rapport with Casey Thompson or Logan Smothers or Chubba Purdy or Heinrich Harbert, whomever, Matt Masker. Um, it's really, really important that he knows how they work. And these are ways that he builds that in is he gives them these projects and essentially like it, it is on there. It is on them to complete and to own it. And he's getting knowledge about them and the, the process of it. So it's actually very interesting. I think Mickey Joseph's room is going to be one of the most fascinating to watch the competition play out because I think as much of that competition is going to happen out of spring football and out of fall camp, it's going to happen. What it's going to be, what happens between those two dates. And he's going to task them with something to basically see who does this mean the most to. So if we think like January one to March one, so they started early spring ball mm-hmm. started early in March. If we think, if we just think like January to March, it's two months. I wonder how much work you would have to put in to to catch 5,000 balls, like how many hours on a jugs machine machine that you would need to hit 5,000. I like, I kind of, as you're talking, I was thinking, I was like, I want to go like hit up Northwestern and just be like, Hey, can I borrow your jugs machine? And I just like, see like how long it would take to hit 5,000. If I was just out there for like an hour a day. Yeah. I mean, it's, I have no concept of how long that would take. It feels like it. It feels like an incredible number when you think about the time frame because they started, yeah, right at the end of February, right, right there. So you had about two months time, and I will just also let everyone know it was quite funny uh, when Alante was saying jugs machine. For some reason, there's so many different apps you can use now that can start to auto translate for you, and they're not perfect. Uh, but every <laughs> single time he said jugs, it came through as drugs. So it would be like I would go up to the stadium and I'd grab the drugs and I'd get out on the practice. <laughs> like, oh no! <laughs> Is it Otter that you were using? Is that Otter? Um, I was trying it, to get trying to get Alante Brown in trouble. Right. I think it was Jacob's phone. He was using it. So I think it was Otter, but it was just cracking me (laughs) up because I'm like, it doesn't, it didn't matter how clear he was saying it. It kept thinking he was saying drugs. And I was like, oh no. (laughs) Well, Alante Brown's not going to play this season because he's going to get in trouble and we're going to have to litigate that. Yeah. Uh, No one don't take that part seriously. (laughs) It was just a translator not being very nice. (laughs) Any other wide receiver thoughts before we get you out of here? Oh, no. I mean, I will say it's it's a bummer to see 
you know, the news about vets. Uh, he was a very likable, likable person. But at the same time, I, I would say of all groups, and I, this isn't a slight on any of the coaches, both current or the, both new or the ones who've been here, but Mickey Joseph is uh, running, he, he is running a tight ship. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that wide receiver group looks at the end of fall camp, knowing how he operates. And he clearly, he clearly gains respect with these players. They know what he's capable of. They know what he's able to do with development. And I think, I think I'm just like really curious to see what he's able to do as far as development with some of these players that we have spent so much time saying like what is their potential so it makes me a little bit sad with the Xavier thing and maybe maybe Xavier finds his way back to the team or who knows um but I do think Mickey has he doesn't he doesn't mess around he's not taking a whole lot of like excuses on much you're you're showing up to work so the biggest thing for me with wide receiver at this point is they are eventually going to have to get this quarterback spot figured out sooner rather than later, because you do need the quarterback to start developing relationships and camaraderie and just getting a feel for one another with these wide receivers. So um, the wide receiver competition is very dependent on that quarterback competition. What does that look like? Um, I don't, I'm not confident we'll have an answer by the end of spring. Is this a competition that goes through fall camp? It's hard to say. I'm glad you went there because I, I also I agree. I would also like to see some um, some settling of the field at quarterback so that you can go into the summer. Like if it, yeah, everybody has the expectation that it's going to be Casey Thompson. If Casey Thompson is clearing away the the best option that you have right now, then that's the guy that you need to roll with in the summertime so that those wide receivers can start just developing some chemistry. Yeah, I mean so. it's it's amazing how like those little details go a long way, but you, you often would hear the joke, especially like with Adrian Martinez and like who he would often target, but there's a reason Brody for Bell. that Brody belt um, is whoever it is is going to be a Brody belt super fan too. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's just like, you want those, you want that rapport to be built. You obviously want them to be able to build that rapport with more than just one player. So that way they can, you know, take full advantage of the field in front of them. Um, but it becomes harder the longer you wait. So I know it might be difficult. And I know for so many of these quarterbacks, they're probably wanting time. But at the same time, I wouldn't even be shocked if we don't see, could somebody still transfer? It's possible. I'm not like breaking any news. I don't know of anybody who's planning on that, but it's not completely out of the realm of possibilities. So then it just becomes a question of who is the best could that like could that position like reasonably still be going that competition still be going by fall i guess i just personally don't think it's in the like the most wise decision i think getting somebody squared away sooner just allows the entire team to start settling because otherwise it's just going to be a lot of who's throwing to me today how do I create a relationship? Because at the same time, that quarterback needs to determine uh, who needs to know who that uh, center is so that they can create a relationship. We saw that firsthand when Adrian struggled, when he didn't have a relationship with Cam yet, not like off the field, but just like that working relationship, you got to get them used to those things. And I'm not saying anything that coaches don't know. Like they all know this. I just hope that they can hopefully get it squared away sooner rather than later. 
Agreed. I have wondered about um, if, you know, as we, as we get used to the transfer portal era, because one of like the big, the knee jerk reactions to um, roster management at the quarterback spot, whenever the transfer portal exploded was, Oh, well, we're going to take our competitions right up to the start of the season. So the guys can't leave us, Mm. but then guys were still leaving at the start of the season. So I wonder if, you know, there isn't a ton of, there isn't value in, settling things in spring ball so that guys know where that they stand and Mm -hmm. guys that feel like they want to jump into the transfer portal can do so in the spring, which would then give a coaching staff an extended runway to try to figure out a depth plan for their starter behind them. I don't know. I wonder if that isn't maybe something that continues to, to kind of grow. Yeah. And I hope so, because I think, you know, who knows if this what if this is what he truly meant at the end of the day but when we heard logan logan's mothers talk about how he wants to be at nebraska he came to nebraska from alabama for a reason he wants to be at nebraska um here's if you end up saying by the end of spring ball that casey thompson is your starter and Logan Smothers sticks around, then you're feeling pretty good about your backup option because not only is this person still going to compete against the person that you have as your starter, but they obviously want to be there. And I think, I think that's the one thing that the portal and kind of like at some point just allowing the portal to exist and be the portal is it will also start to settle out the players that truly just want to be on your team, even if maybe they're playing backup, even if maybe they're playing to continue to compete. And I know that's hard because coaches don't like the uncertainty of things and they probably don't want to have to go into summer with somebody leaving, but honestly, it's not always a bad thing. It's, it's, it sometimes just settles things and makes sure you have the people who truly want to be there. And so that's not to say that Logan couldn't still transfer, but he was so adamant that he wants to be at Nebraska. So if he isn't named the starter, does he leave? it doesn't sound like he wants to. So you, you start to be able to exactly what you said. You start to be able to like make your order of things and you start to have a good, clear understanding. Does that mean that Matt Masker transfers? I guess, but I doubt it. He's a special teams legend. Speaking of special teams, like all we've heard about is like him just like taking off running down the field on special teams. So (laughs) I, I tell you specifically in the instructions, no quarterback talk. And we we're going to end with quarterback talk and not just quarterback talk, but Matt Masker. Well done. Well done. Aaron, you got to get out of here. Thank you for, uh, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you giving some extended time and talking through spring, spring battles. I appreciate it. It's, it's good to actually just wrap my head around things too, because it has been a very, you know, I spent a few springs, spring footballs with you, and you know I'm glad that we aren't outside like we were last year. But at the same time, there's a lot of information being thrown at us without getting to see any practice. So it's nice to just be able to wrap my head around what's actually going on. Cool. Yeah, it was fun. Um, cool. We'll be back next week with another one. In the meantime, keep reading hellvarsity.com. Keep listening to this show. Keep listening to Aaron's show. All the Hell Varsity shows. Shouts to Cam for producing this episode every week, and to you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. A Huda Media Production.